They're speakers, authors, and real-life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock. Taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. To 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Grant Menzoir. Hello again. Hello. Me? Just called to say hello. Hey, talking to me. I couldn't sleep at all tonight. Me neither. And I know it's late. It is. But I couldn't wait. Me neither. For Firehouse Subs. Oh, baby. Oh, yeah. The hook and ladder. Are you kidding me right now? With some banana peppers. Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing what's about to happen. Yes. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on Thoughts That Rock. You know who we are. We are the podcast that is about exchanging two pieces of life-changing advice that we try to squeeze into about a half an hour or so. And we totally get it. We know how busy you are. You've got a lot of things going on in your life. And you know, grabbing those little nuggets of leadership wisdom that could hopefully amp up your life, they're hard to come by, which is why whether you're, let's say, washing your car or cutting out Winn-Dixie coupons or heading to court, it doesn't really matter. We just want to be the 30 minutes that you look forward to each and every week. And you guys know this this podcast here, we support Cannonball Kids Cancer, yep. a, a fantastic nonprofit focusing on providing options to kids who've been diagnosed with cancer, who've been told that they've run out of options. Uh, CKC helps identify innovative options and then actually provides the funding necessary to get these kids the treatment they need and provide hope to those that are hopeless. And because of that, we think they absolutely rock. They do. Now, listen, just a quick reminder, whatever format you're using to listen to the podcast, if you like the show, and and we hope that you do, we would love it if you would just take a moment to give us a rating and, and actually, more importantly, give us a review. Those written comments, they actually really help us get in front of the people we need to grow the show and better support Cannonball Kids Cancer. Yeah. So whatever we need to do, a foot rub. Here we go. Little little tickling going on. I hear something. Whatever you're fancy. You know when you hear this music, it's only one thing. It's business time. It's business time. It's business time, James. It's business time. We are so honored to have, really, I consider an industry icon with us today on our show, Mr. Don Fox. Uh, for those of you that maybe live underneath the rock, uh, you, you know you probably haven't heard of uh, of Don necessarily, but you definitely know his brand. He's the CEO of Firehouse Subs, one of America's leading fast casual restaurant brands, and honestly, one of the coolest cultures around, at least that I know. We talk about Firehouse all the time. Um, and, and Don really started as an entry-level employee for an independent Italian restaurant in New Jersey, and I think spent 23 years, if I got the number right, with Burger King in uh, in, in really various roles. Uh, I think he started off doing that as a restaurant manager and was in field operations and R&D and new concept development. So really worked yourself through the ranks up and uh, at Burger King and then joined Firehouse in 2003 and started there as the director of franchise compliance um, which, uh, you know, is definitely, uh, an interesting position. We can talk about that if you want to, but I love the fact that, that Don was really quickly promoted to COO just a couple of years after that in 2005, and then was CEO in 2009. And I think under, under Don's leadership, that 
firehouse brand went from something like 60, 65 restaurants to over 1,100 in pretty much every state and Puerto Rico and Canada and really is widely considered as one of the best franchises in the country. And uh, I know Don sits on various boards of influence, most notably the uh, National Restaurant Association and Technomic and even Flagler College. That's pretty interesting. It's restaurant and technology and education. So he's got a uh, you know, wide variety of uh, of places where he's got a voice. Uh, Don was recognized by Nation's Restaurant News as 2011's Operator of the Year. He's won the Silver Plate Award in 2013 by International Food Manufacturers Association, received the NRA's Advocacy Leadership Award, and was really dubbed by Fast Casual in 2013. I think this is the creme de la creme as the number one executive in the Fast Casual community. Um, something you might not know about Don is that he's a published author, most notably for his book, Patton's Vanguard, the United States Army 4th Armored Division, which is a written history of General Patton's most famed division. Uh, I would love to talk about that at some point. And uh, I, I'm just thrilled. I mean, I, I personally have known Don as a, a mainstay at industry events. I know he's been an expert panelist. He's a keynote speaker. He's a great advisor to many of us out there. Brant, I don't know if you've ever had a chance to meet Don, but Don, we're just so thrilled that uh, you've joined us. So welcome to uh, Thoughts That Rock. Thanks, Jim. And if you're ever looking for a future job as my publicist, you're hired. (laughs) Well, hopefully I I, I got the intent right. I know that you actually do more than uh, what I was just espousing there. You you really are. And I, I don't say it lightly. When I say industry icon, People know who you are in this uh, this industry, and and you've done some phenomenal oh, work. Um, and 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 Brian, you haven't met Don before, right? I have not met Don, but I have frequented his establishment many, many, many times uh, for the uh, famed New York Steamer, which I think is probably <laughs> the best sub on the planet, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, Don, you know, I, I had this question because uh, every, every time I come in to a firehouse subs. And I order my New York steamer, as I always do. I look up on on the board and I see this thing. I don't know exactly. I think it's pronounced salad. (laughs) I'm not exactly sure what it is, but I'm going to stick with my New York steamer every time I walk into a fire. We we appreciate that. We like like to play to our strengths. And uh, pastrami and corned beef is right at the top of the list. (laughs) No question. That's some hilarious. people, some people, well, some people in be... Florida don't know what pastrami is, so it's. Uh, but yeah. it's great in New York. Well, we get. That's the truth. That's truth. That cheese, the whole bit. Oh, come on, I, you know, I. Uh, it's it's one of the the greatest pleasures of my life is being able to go in and get the same thing, the same quality every time. It yep. tastes exactly the same, and I don't have to worry about where I'm at in the country. It's uh, it's always a welcome thing you know, for me. I'm a creature of habit. I'm a hook and ladder with a, a few banana peppers. I think I've always stuck to that. I don't know why. I look at the menu board and and wind up ordering the same things. You're so fancy. Your banana peppers. <laughs> Don, what is your if you weren't doing, let's say, a food tasting, if you know, what's your go-to, your favorite yeah, sub? Mine has changed over time, but right now I am partial to the engineer, which is smoked turkey breast and uh, mushrooms, Swiss cheese. Awesome. So, I could do that without yeah. the bread. Hook and ladder. Yeah. It's low hook, carb right now. Yeah, hook and ladder is the number one selling sandwich in the country, uh, in most parts of the country. Uh, there are some, some yeah. markets where the smokehouse beef and cheddar brisket sub is the number one seller, which is a fantastic uh, – 16-hour smoked uh, brisket. Um, you get uh, it's a fantastic product. Melts in your mouth. 
Yummy. All right, we're there. Sponsored yeah. today by Firehouse. <laughs> that's Hubs. right. That's, that's how that's going to work. So, so Don, like I said, we're we're so thrilled um, that you're with us today. And versus sort of that traditional interview style that I think you might hear in a lot of podcasts, we love to get right to the point and share some great pieces of advice. But honestly, I I, I think wow, your background is, is just crazy deep, and I know just the well of knowledge that we're going to pull from. You could go in so many different directions. So it's going to be tough for us to narrow down one really gold nugget from you. But if you could share one great piece of advice for our audience, what is your thought that rocks? Thoughts that rock, number one. You know, the the restaurant industry, of course, is a fantastic industry. And, and I think my story isn't unusual in that, in that it started in the dish room. You know, as you pointed out, just working for an independent restaurateur, Italian restaurant, scrubbing pots and pans. You know, one of my most valuable lessons I learned in life as a dishwasher was your your best friend is the person who stirs the sauce pot. Dishwashers yeah. out there will know what I'm talking about. But uh, <laughs> in, yeah. in any event, when you, you start out in the industry, it's your first job. You're a very young teenager, and uh, I think it's fair to say you would most people, anyway, don't imagine themselves being in the industry. It, it, it's a first job for a third of Americans, but I'd say the percentage is very small of those who, when they start in it, think it's going to be a career. I, my aspiration was to be a musician. I was a trumpet player. That It wasn't until I turned 22 uh, and worked in restaurants all the way up to that point because, well, what I discovered was I would really have a difficult time making a living as a musician. Uh, if I was going to be a musician, I was going to be a history teacher, uh, you know, study history, military history in particular. I had a, a great interest in World War II uh, history. And um, so, so food service and restaurants would not have been at the top of the list. But, I, but advice I would give to anybody, and I, I say this quite frequently, especially when I'm speaking to youth, high schools, colleges, universities, is that it, it's, it's pretty rare uh, for a person to end up doing what they think they're going to do when they're in their younger years, especially. Um, you know, life that has a funny way of happening to you in ways that you, know, you can't always predict. And one of the smartest things you can do early on is to realize, well, take advantage of every opportunity that you have at, at, in the moment. Because you never know how you're going to parlay that into some greater success in, in ways that you could never imagine at the time. And, and it's such a shame to see uh, when people will waste those opportunities, uh, not give, give it their all, uh, just because at the time, in the moment, it's not the thing that they were really juiced up about or thought they wanted to do. And hopefully, yeah. hopefully if they're, if they're fortunate or if they create their own destiny, they end up loving what they do. That's certainly the case for me. I, I mean, to be honest, I am not going to say that I loved uh, sweating over a two-compartment sink. And back then, they didn't have three-compartment sinks. Uh, <laughs> so sweating over a two-compartment sink, washing dishes, I didn't love it, but, but I gave it 100%. Per, 100%. And so, so hopefully you do fall in love with what you're doing. But even if you don't, here, so here's the main lesson, having said all that is just because you may not end up doing professionally what it is that was at the top of your list of passions, for goodness sake, don't give up those passions. At the very least, you know, give 100% to what you end up doing for a livelihood. Be as successful as you can and parlay that success or use that success 
you know, as a catalyst to be able to engage in those things that you are passionate about. You know, if it truly is your passion that drives you, then getting paid to do it isn't the most important thing. Uh, and and if, if people can do that, you know, if they get, get that great combination in, in their lives, uh, I think even if the road didn't lead exactly where they thought it was going to, they would have a very enriched, fulfilling life. And, and then you can take a look at a career in, in the restaurant industry, for example, even though if it wasn't at the top of your list, you look back at it and you say, boy, did, did my success within that in, industry enable me to in, enjoy the things that uh, I like to do when I'm, you know, when I'm, when I'm not being professional? Yeah, I think that's incredible advice, Don. It's something for me that I, you know, I think you're right. Many of many of us, uh, sort of, as we are coming up in the ranks, and and whether we we come out of high school or you go to college or you you come out of there and you sort of have this idea of, you know, what we're meant to do, what we're supposed to do, and that that sort of even comes, I think, from the programming of of getting into school and college, and well, what's your major, and what do you you know what are you planning on using it for, and so we get into this mentality of that we have to do what it is that we're studying to do. And, you know, I often find when I ask people um, what they're doing, they say, well, I'm doing this for now. I'm doing this for now. And, and they, they, they treat for now like a breakdown lane. Like I've got to fix what's broke before I can get back into my life and, and do what I'm supposed to do. But for now I'm doing this. And, and I love what you're saying, which is, you know what, let's take the for now and really so into that because you don't know where it's going to lead. Right. And then uh, you mentioned in, in your intro, you talked about my authorship. And uh, you know, that's a, a great example, uh, personally, of, of that mindset. As I mentioned, if I hadn't been a musician, it was, I was going to study history to uh, teach and maybe go into academia. And I had a very strong interest in World War II history in particular. And... I, I never lost that interest. I continued to read and study and uh, really as a, as a hobby, if you will. And so I was, gosh, it was in the late nineties. Uh, at that point, you know, I'm, uh, you know, approach, I'm about 40 years old and still with Burger King. And I, uh, now then in, at that point in time, the internet's emerged and, and so on. And, and I ended up coming in contact with World War II veterans that belonged to the 4th Armored Division, uh, which I eventually ended up writing the history of. And it all stemmed from a bit serendipitous, really, meeting those veterans and learning their stories, having this passionate interest. And I hadn't written a book before. I had done various levels of writing and felt comfortable with my writing skills. So that's a big leap to go into what turned out to be a 500-page work uh, historical work. Uh, but, um, you know, I, my success, even up to that point, even within Burger King, and I was in middle management at the time, but still had a successful career there. And uh, that enabled me to pursue that, uh, that passion and never did it for commercial reasons. It was all to, to write a history uh, of that division because a definitive history had not been written uh, previously. And, and uh, again, I encourage all people to be versatile in their in their hobbies and interests and support that here as well. I love when I hear about our team members that have other interests, that they're, they're not so single focused. I think the more diverse people are in their interests, hobbies, et cetera, uh, it makes them better in their main roles. 
if they're if they're not swimming in such a narrow lane all the time. I'll tell you, I was just thinking about your your thought, just to um, sort of give you an analogy too, because I think I, I didn't know the similarities that you and I actually had in our background, and and I have a music degree as well. I thought I was going to go to school to be a professional singer, and and you know that formal performer in me was 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 uh, fun but what i discovered is maybe not the exact same thing you did i discovered that to actually make a living you had to be good so i changed <laughs> careers um and became a, a middle school teacher and was doing that as a substitute teacher but while i was working on my four-year degree it was focused on history and children's education and so i thought that was going to be my next gate my focus and then you wind up getting into hospitality even though restaurant was my first job it is funny these 21 years that I got to spend at Hard Rock, but all of that combined, the music, the education, the hospitality were the perfect setups to what I'm doing now. So if you go back to what you were basically saying is you never know where all of this is going to lead itself, where it's going to parlay itself. And honestly, all of that was just the sound check to, you know, to what I'm doing these days. So You've got it right. I think your your message is spot on about take advantage, even if it really is a stepping stone. You're going to be at a place a short period of time. Take advantage, learn from that. Um, not only because you might not know where it's going to lead you, but it might actually be your career. And you put that passion and commitment. You know, a lot of awesomeness. Occurs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and something you said about your background uh, reminded me similarly from my music experience. If I, if I flash back in time to when I was a kid, I was shy, reserved. If, if I had to stand up in front of a classroom, let's say in fifth grade and give a book report, I, I would want to throw up. <laughs> and which is probably more, more, more common than not. You know, everything that's said about yep. public speaking being one of the most feared things by people. I believe it. I was, I was in that camp. Of course, as a musician, uh, you've become familiar with the stage. I was, I was a pretty good trumpet player, so I had uh, more than my share of solos. And so, you know, having eyes on me and you know playing under under the spotlight, and then especially as I played in bands professionally for a few years, and you're you know, you're right there, you know, playing an R and B type band and three piece horn section. But anyway, so you develop this whole different comfort level, and I I still would never have said, well, I wasn't a public speaker. I as a musician, but but there's that kinship or relationship with the audience that is somewhat similar. Oh, yeah. And so fast yep. fast forward to especially my time with Firehouse and, and particularly over the last oh ten or eleven years, uh, I've gotten more and more engaged in public speaking, doing keynotes at events or non-industry events of a variety of venues. And I I love it. Yeah, I've come to really enjoy it. I work at it. Always am self-critical. Try to get uh, better at it. I don't do it as a career necessarily. It's great for Firehouse. Great exposure for the brand and to be yeah. out there and bring it out. So, so it's serving a professional purpose in that in that sense. But it's it's something that I've grown to love to do. Long ago, lost the fear of it. Um, and and that may. Who knows how that will come into play in the in the years ahead? Uh, professionally, yeah. personally, it, it opens all sorts of doors. But all of that stems from again drawing on past experiences, like you said, trying to parlay it, uh, and and then and then always work 
hard at getting getting better at it. I, I work harder at my writing. I, I think about the experience that I had just writing the second book. Uh, I, I parlayed a lot of my effort from the first time doing it, learned a lot in the process, made, made the second book much easier uh, to, to do. And I think I've become a better writer from it, always work harder at it. Uh, bring, bringing it back to our industry, um, which is, is the bread and butter, uh, I'm always changing and evolving how I do business. If I think about yeah. the 10 years since I became CEO of Firehouse, I've changed my approach in various ways. I, there are there are steadfast things about it. I think I think your underlying values and principles uh, those those are your that's that's your core. But the way you do business, some of the behaviors you use to bring those values to life and so on, uh, some of your management technique, uh, those. Those things change. Uh, they should. They should change and evolve. It's a, when I uh, first came to this brand, and it was at 65 restaurants, as it's well, stating the obvious to say that it is a heck of a lot different at 1,172, and the, and the nature of the organization and the, just the nature of the brand itself. And uh, if, if I was the same person in the sense of how I lead and manage, uh, well, we'd I'd have a problem. The brand would probably have a problem. Uh, we certainly wouldn't be as successful as we have been. Yeah. And I hope this, I think, complements and, and maybe takes Don's thought from a different angle. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'll tell you what the thought is, and I'm going to sort of come behind it with the, the mindset and the, and the story. Step rock number two. It, it's this whole idea that every time somebody joins or leaves the brand, or the band, you know, in your case, brand, sure. right? The culture changes, you know, every single time. It doesn't matter who it is or what level. And so the goal has to be surround yourself and hold on to rock stars. Hold on to those people that are just giants that can go out there and do the things that you need them to do. So, you know, I, I look at this mindset of, you know, a lot of people will get stuck in the past. They, they, they hold on to heritage, right? And I do speak at some companies where, you know, they're a legacy brand. They've been doing this for a long time. And you can go to some of the senior leaders that have been doing this for 20, 30, 40 years. Maybe they are the CEO and this is how they started the thing. Perhaps they get stuck on that because they want it to be the way it used to be. They can close their eyes. Remember the good old days versus the culture. And the way that I look at the culture is it being the present is because I just, I honestly believe that a company's culture is just a collection of people working in a brand at that time. It's all predicated on human behaviors. And so if you think through that and you think, you know, with so many people coming in and going out of a business, even in an environment like right now where we have, you know, pretty low unemployment, you still have people coming and going, especially in hospitality. And, you know, Don can, you, you could probably speak more to this on Firehouse, but the goal should be to find and retain great talent. So I'll sort of stop there, but you know, I'm thinking of this mindset of what your thought was, which is take advantage of the time that you have. And yet you do know that the culture is going to change every time, you know, whether I'm a frontline employee and I'm there for three weeks, I still made a dent in the culture or God forbid you leave, you leave firehouse. And all of a sudden the guy or girl that comes in to take over your job, they're going to change things the way that they want to do it. So the culture is always changing. And so how do you how do you focus on getting the right ones and, and loving on them to get people to stay with well, you longer? I, I do. I do agree. You know, culture 
culture changes and in many cases should change. In some cases it shouldn't. I mean, if you have, I'll beg to differ a little bit. If you have a great culture and it's relevant, relevant to your consumers, yeah. if it's the right, I'll just call it the right culture in relation to a brand. I do believe you want to protect that. Um, now you can't, um, you can't allow then for the consumer to pass you by or for your culture to become irrelevant or so on. But, but I don't think you, I don't think under any circumstances, you don't want to just allow the culture to evolve uh, completely on its own. I, I think it is something yeah. that you do manage and, and lead. So if I could, um, I think what's really critical is that I, uh, when you bring new team members on, it's like, hey, let's face it, the inher- turnover is inherent in the restaurant industry. Uh, nothing yeah. is ever going to change that. Uh, it varies depending on the segment that you're in in the industry, but it, it's inherent. And in fact, if you look at QSR and even fast casual in particular, I, I think the best philosophy to embrace or, or the best thing to recognize is that from the moment you hire somebody, the clock is ticking. In all likelihood, they are on their way to somewhere else. So, yeah. <laughs> so, rec- so don't fight that. You know, there, there are some people who get down in the dumps and, and just spend all their time complaining about the frustrations of turnover. And those frustrations are real. I get it. But, but their, their sort of idea of nirvana is that, oh my gosh, if I didn't have any turnover, I'll put it in the context of a firehouse subs restaurant, monetized business, we, we average about $730,000 a year in sales, uh, average restaurant the system, small business generally, the average payroll total, not on a shift, the total number of employees, the average is about 13 or 14 uh, employees, it's a, it's a monetized team. But if I had 13 people on that team, and if I'm looking at an individual restaurant, and if you were to tell me that those same 13 people are going to be on that team 15 years from now, I would submit you've got a problem. Yeah. Because the very yeah. nature of the business doesn't necessarily lend itself to that. Now, that doesn't mean that there isn't meaning, a meaningful place for some people who will be on your team for many, many years. There are people, God bless them, within the firehouse brand that have been in hourly positions in the restaurant. But, but it's more the exception where it happens to be a great fit for them personally for a number of reasons, about economics, where they live. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of things that come into play um, that influence that. So, so there, there are exceptions to it, but by far it's not the norm. And I, I, would, I would submit if I had the same people uh, for 15 years in the same restaurant, I'd probably have a lot of uninspired people. That, yeah. and, and what really can drive great performance, again, is, being your best, wanting to move up in life, move, you'll move up to the next position, the next opportunity, whether it's within the firehouse brand or outside the firehouse brand, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. So, so, if, so there has to be, a, there should be a recognition that turnover is inherent in it. Too much turnover is not a bad, I mean, not a good sign and it's a bad thing, but there's always going to be some. And if, and if you, once you accept that as just the normal operating condition for the industry and the business, so, so then what should your goal be? So your goal should be you have got to be the absolute best recruiter, trainer, coach, and motivator. 
Your mission in life should be, I am going to be the best I can be at getting that new hire up to speed as quickly as possible, at best productivity as quickly as possible, coach them up so that, and so it's mutually rewarding, by the way, and that during the time that yeah. they are with me, we're, we're both getting the most benefit out of the relationship that we can. So, so going back to the time with culture, if you're, especially if you've got parts of your culture or, or a culture generally that you're really trying to protect and nurture, you've got to be able to articulate what that culture is to people when they come in or you don't stand a chance because to really push right. Right, every restaurant, every brand has a culture. One of the big problems a lot of brands have is they don't know what it is. They can't define it. Exactly. They can't articulate it. I mean, you don't, you don't stand a chance right. in hell of protecting it or hovering. If you can't define it, if you, if you can't define it, you can't coach on it. You, you can't teach people. Um, and so for us, I've made that a point of emphasis for our brand now for the last uh, nine years. Uh, when, I, when I got to Firehouse, we had a pretty run-of-the-mill, typical corporate-esque type of mission statement for the brand, be, be one of the top five sub-chains in the country, blah, 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 blah. Not uh, necessarily anything meaningful that people can really wrap their arms around and articulate uh, very, you know, very concisely and memorably. And and I, so I didn't touch it though for a long time. You know why? Because I had to be sure myself exactly what that culture should be and how best to define it. And, and doing so really started with a mission statement, which is to carry on our commitment to and our passion for hearty and flavorful food, heartfelt service, and public safety. That mission statement has remained the same since uh, late 2010, 2011. It's driven by business. We know, we know through tons of customer work and so on, we've got to be number one at those three things in the industry. And, and, if, yeah. and to carry on, if we're, what we're carrying on from is the passion and the commitment that our founders had. You know, we're a we're privately owned uh, business, family owned business. Uh, what made it successful in large part was that passion and commitment of the founders to, to build this brand from the ground up. And I know that if people that come into our team adopt that passion and commitment towards all, everybody towards a different end, um, everybody should have a different reason personally to be passionate and committed to it. Um, but when you, when you find that trigger, find that rallying point for them, and when, they, and they're, when they're able to approach their work in that way, my gosh, there's really nothing that can stop us. You know, we're, because that's, that's where you out-execute everybody. Yeah, our sandwiches, I'll, I'll proudly say our sandwiches are better than everybody else's. And that's not, not a matter of opinion. That's a matter of all the consumer research. And we, we get the highest mark, yeah. economics, consumer brand metrics. I mean, last year we had the only one brand beat us for taste and flavor of food. It was Ruth's Chris. We, we, <laughs> wow. were, number one, we yes. were number one in, in 2015. No, nobody beat us. Um, wow. so, so you have these strengths, and that's part of the DNA of the brand and the, and the, the technical engineering of it. It's the product specs, it's the recipes that uh, our founders devised, and they're still very involved on the culinary side. But if I don't link that with great service, which is, when you talk about culture, that's really where it manifests itself is the, the culture, the service yep. experience. Well, if you don't, if you don't match that great product experience up with great service, you're just, it's not going to work. What one of the ratings that we get that I'm most proud of is we, we get industry leading scores in friendliness, courtiness, uh, courtesiness of our, of our crew members. 
And I, as I tell our franchisees, I'm very proud of them because they're the ones who achieve that. I, yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't ship them smiles in a box. They, right. they've got to make that happen. It's through their relationships with, with their team members and embracing the culture, reinforcing it. So, um, but it, but it is such a constant uh, effort that you have to have because again, with the nature of turnover, that, that when you're bringing in people from the outside and, and the hiring environment today, as you know, is as tough as it's ever been. Uh, you know, more more job openings and there are people looking for work, and and not everybody who lands on your doorstep is a, is a polished gem. People want to find a home. They want to find a place where they're appreciated, where they know they're making a meaningful contribution. Uh, increasingly these days, uh, with a brand that stands for something, I think one of one of the great uh, assets that we have as a brand is the work that we do in our communities, our Firehouse Hubs Public Safety Foundation. Uh, we, we've now donated Definitely. over $44 million worth of equipment uh, to first responders. And all of the team members in our franchise restaurants and our company restaurants are engaged in that fundraising to help do that. So it brings a whole different level of meaning uh, to, to their work and, and the association they have with, with the brand. And, uh, and all of those are good things, much better than compared to when I was uh, selling Whoppers in 1980. Well, and you make all these great points, but I think you also make the point for me, which is a lot of this has to do with leadership. If you're going to go out there and, as you said, hire and recruit and train and develop and communicate and really find and, and hold on to the right ones. Let's get the right one. Let's get the rock stars. And, you know, you make, you make phenomenal points about putting systems in place and, and be still my learning and development heart. We're right in the, the same sweet spot on that. Let's have great storytelling collateral. So if somebody does leave, at least the, the, the brand language is secure. Cause at some point, Somebody's. It might be you. You're, you're going to change the company logo. You're going to change the color and the font and some system and move your corporate headquarters two miles up the road and change some of the product. But the culture will still be there if you have a lot of those things in place. And even more than that, if they have people like you in there. So I think these brands that are, are crushing it, the same ones that we always talk about, are because of the the people that have really either put those things in place so that it's become you know, legend for them after they leave, or in fact, they're still there mining the store. They're, they're running the ship. And I just, you know, as we sort of come to a conclusion here, I can't think of somebody, uh, you know, who could run firehouse subs enough. You, You might think differently, but you're the perfect person at that point in time, regardless of whatever happens with your future career. But boy, we're fans. And I think it really has to deal a lot with your leadership, not just, that hook and ladder with those banana peppers. Man, <laughs> so, I'm telling you, that thing is good. I'm not gonna lie. Where, um, uh, other than your book, um, what 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 are you working on, Don? I mean, I, I, before we sort of give them your contact information, where people can get you, where can they go get that um, that patent fee? Oh, uh, they, they can go to Amazon. The book is in print and a soft cover edition now. It was hardcover 2003, but they can get a Kindle or soft cover from. Uh, Amazon is the best place. You can just search it under Patent Vanguard. They'll come up. So the new book will be out probably in uh, October. Um, you know, in October. Uh, the other, Fantastic. Uh, we have great things going on with the brand. We've got a, a new restaurant of the future prototype uh, that uh, is going to open in late June, early July here in Jacksonville. So we're evolving the brand into mm. That's terrific. A lot of things on the menu development side, doing more culinary work uh, than we had done in the, in the last uh, couple of years leading into this uh, the whole off-premise movement in the business is 
you know, the story number one, anywhere you go, uh, we've seen dramatic shifts yeah. in consumer behavior, not just because of third party delivery, but um, just off premise consumption in general. And we've done great things in that regard to build our business in the off premise side. So it's been a very exciting time for, uh, for Firehouse. And, uh, and you know, I mentioned the philanthropy and the most exciting thing is how it all benefits that bigger cause. You know, when, whenever we open a new restaurant, we'll open about 70 new restaurants this year. The thing that gets me most excited about opening wow. a new restaurant isn't the additional revenue stream. It's I know now we have a nut, one more location where we're in a position to raise funds and ultimately, it's just a matter of time, we'll make donations there. Uh, equipment will arrive uh, in, in that trade area uh, more likely than not. And you know, so, so with every new restaurant comes an opportunity to save other people's lives. And because yeah. if, if, if overnight firehouse subs d- disappeared, what difference would it really make? Well, the biggest difference it would make is if, if that effort went away, that cause went away, it, uh, there would be people who didn't have the services and the equipment they needed to live. And that is the yeah. reason for the brand that would be a crime. to be successful. Yeah, absolutely. I, where can people get a hold of you, Don? Oh, where, where can people uh, stay connected to you? On uh, Twitter, uh, Twitter handle is Don M Fox. Uh, so uh, I, I stay somewhat active on Twitter. Uh, somebody wants to drop me an email uh, to touch base, they, they feel free to D F O X at firehousesubs.com. That's fantastic. Listen, we really can't thank you enough. I mean, geez, like I said, it's such a wealth of information and we could have gone down some other rabbit holes. I'm, I'm really interested in picking up a copy of Patton's Vanguard. And, uh, you know, if for no other reason, I'm going to grab another sub just to be able to support the philanthropic initiatives. I know first responders is, uh, is the thing that you guys do the most. And man, it's just uh, we're, we're honored that you were able to be here on Thoughts at Rock. All right, folks. Um, yeah, my pleasure. Thanks very much. You're awesome. Thanks, Thanks Don. Don. Hey, rock stars. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to make sure you don't ever miss an episode. And if you're interested in having Brant or me or both of us speak at your event, we're exclusively represented by Kepler Speakers, the industry's leading resource for booking conference keynotes. To start your unforgettable experience, go to KeplerSpeakers.com. Until next time, rock rock on. on. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, your gateway to a new dimension of wellness. Featuring discussions with world-renowned experts, pioneers, champions, and professionals. Experience high-end production, sophistication, and easily applicable tips and tricks for everyday life. Your journey to wellness, it starts here and it starts now. Tune in to the Wellness Driven Life Show and become a part of the evolution of driven living.